0: you've got your bibles there it'd be great to open them back up to the passage that mike uh, read for us from one john starting at chapter two usually at this point we'd be having sunday school but for the coming weeks there's not going to be a, a sunday school but there is some children's sheets and colorings uh, so now will be the time to to get on with those if you haven't done so already uh, as i said at the start we're really thankful aren't we to be able to to gather again this sunday morning uh, and i just want to really remind us that it is a an exemption that we've got and it's a privilege really so we just need to continue to follow the guidelines as we have been doing uh, and make our gatherings as as safe as as possible so that's why this morning I sent out the the information sheet again just so we can refresh on those and continue uh, to do that Uh, let's uh, look at God's word now so back to 1 John and chapter 2 We're returning to the the letter this morning that we were looking at last year, First uh, John, uh, and we remember, don't we? This is a letter that was written to Christians uh, in the first century, a, a community of Christians that John uh, knew, uh, and John is uh, John the Apostle, Jesus' uh, disciple. So this is a letter written to Christians. I wonder how would you answer the question, What is a Christian? If I was to put you on the spot, I'm not going to do this, but come round with the the roving microphone and thrust it under your your nose and say, what is a Christian? How would you answer? There, There are lots of maybe wrong answers that we could give to that question. It would be wrong to say that a Christian is someone who goes to church. That's not right, although many Christians do go to church. A Christian isn't someone who is just generally good and kind and tries to be nice though Christians should be increasingly good and kind. A Christian is not someone who just reads their Bible or who, who has Christian parents. They would be wrong answers to the question of what is a Christian. You might say, if I asked what is a Christian, you might say someone who's been forgiven. That'd be right, wouldn't it? A Christian is someone who's, who's been forgiven, who's come to trust in Jesus and receive forgiveness. That's wonderfully true. But simply being forgiven isn't a full answer to the question of of what it means to be a a Christian. We're going to see this morning that a Christian uh, is a child of God. And not only that, but they're a a child of God who has a future hope. That's our first point. Children of God have a a future hope. Listen to how uh, John speaks about these Christians. He says uh, in chapter 3, verse 1, the verse that Victoria read to us, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. A Christian is a child of God. Last year, uh, the well-known theologian and, and writer Jim Packer, he, he died. Uh, he was well-known for many books, but I think his probably his most famous one was a book called Knowing God. And in that book, uh, he writes this. You can sum up the whole New Testament religion if you describe it as the knowledge of God as one's holy father. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. That's how he sums up Christianity, knowing God as your father. Forgiveness is not the full story, as wonderful as it is. In Christ, yes, through his death, we have forgiveness. But more than that, we are made children of God. God doesn't just forgive us and clean us up and send us on our way. He forgives us so that he may welcome us into his family as his, his children. Let me try to illustrate. Imagine a, a child who was a, an orphan. Maybe uh, think of Oliver Twist. Living on, on the streets and he's a, he's a pickpocket. He gets by by stealing uh, f- from people and, and from various shops but he's not a very very good, good pickpocket. One day he, he tries to pick the pocket of a, a businessman and he, and he fails miserably and the businessman catches him, drags him off to the court, brings him before the judge. The judge finds him guilty and issues him with a fine, 100 pounds. <laughs> he's not going to be able to pay. As the businessman looks at the, the orphan stood in the dark, he has compassion on him and he decides to, to pay the fine. If the story ends there, what happens next? Well, the businessman and the orphan part ways and the orphan heads on back to the streets, uh, still with no money, well, less money, <laughs> food, uh, and nowhere to live. But what if the businessman and his compassion goes further than that? What happens if instead of just paying the fine, he then says to the judge, actually, Your Honor, I would like to adopt this boy. He takes him home, back to his house. He provides for all his needs and he welcomes him in as a a son. That's a, a picture of what God has done for us in the gospel. And John writes, see what great love the Father has lavished upon us. He's not held back. He's lavished his love upon us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. When we turn away from going our way to trust Jesus and to follow him, we become children of God. That is what we are. It's not the hope that one day we might become God's children, no. John says we are God's children now, today, if we trust Jesus. And this idea of being God's child is not a metaphor it, it's not like the relationship that God has is, is a bit like a, a father and a son. No, we are God's children. There's a, a phrase that comes up in this passage a couple of times. It says that the Christian is born of, of God. Through the hidden working of, of God's spirit, we have new life. He's given us new birth. We, we are really God's children. John writes that he's put his seed within us. We are children of God, and we are children of God with a a future hope. We thought, didn't we, last week about uh, the hope, uh, the one hope that all of God's children share. And there are two aspects to the hope that are are held out to us in these verses that we've looked at this morning. Uh, And the two aspects of God's hope is that Jesus is coming again, and that we will be like him and this hope it isn't the hope that I had on Friday night that oh I hope it snows (laughs) you know it it might do or it it might not actually on Saturday we went out trying to find a little bit of snow Uh, this is a a, a certain hope a, a hope of something that we know is is going to happen we know that Jesus is coming about coming back John writes and now dear children continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. And then the return of Jesus is, is there again in, in chapter 3, verse 2. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we have been, what we will be, has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, the certain hope of, children, of the children of God is that one day the Lord Jesus Christ, our great brother is going to appear the Jesus who who w- was born of Mary the Jesus who walked the streets of Nazareth the Jesus who who died on on the cross the Jesus who rose again the Jesus who has ascended to the the father and he's now seated at his right hand one day that Jesus is going to appear that's our our glorious hope. We will will stand before him. We will see him with our eyes. That's the anticipation of every child of God. And the instruction that John gives us in this passage is so that when we see him on that day, we may be confident and, and unashamed. That's the first aspect of our hope. Jesus is coming again. The second aspect is that we will be like him. Jesus is coming back and we will be like him. You see, there's a a now and a not yet for God's children. We are God's children now, but see if you can spot the now and the not yet when I read these verses. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. You see, even though we are God's children now, Today, as we trust Jesus, we are all aware that there are aspects and areas in our life where we just lack the family likeness. times when we, we just fall short and we mess up and we, we don't live as God's children should, we're, we're all aware of those areas in our life where we, where we do that or we find it easy to do that. But the future hope... For us as children of God is that one day we will be like Him. When Jesus appears there's going to be this greatest of family reunions, and on that day we will all bear the family likeness perfectly. Just just seeing Jesus is going to be enough to transform us into his image. As we open our Bibles we see that Jesus has endless compassion, don't we? endless compassion. At the end of a, a busy day teaching, uh, he's no doubt tired. He sees the crowd and he's moved with compassion. He's someone of complete patience, sinless purity. He, he has perfect justice. He's one of selfless humility, always thinking about others before himself. And the certain hope for us as God's children is that we will be be like him exactly like him we will reflect his image perfectly the perfect son we will be God's perfect children just as he is the image of the invisible God so we will truly bear Jesus image not because we've we've earned it or we've managed to 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 climb the ladder by our own efforts but because he's he's saved us and because we're in Christ Maybe just pause just for a few moments and and let the the hope of that statement sink in. That when we see him, we will be like him. Like I said, we all have areas where we we keenly feel our lack of the family likeness. Maybe it's we're really easily impatient. We're we're quick to get angry. Maybe. We're full of anxieties and, and fear, and we find it hard to trust. Maybe our, maybe our eyes are easily led astray. Maybe we, we constantly think about ourselves first and not others. Well, here, the comfort of these words, in that area, you will be like him. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know about you, I find that hugely encouraging our failings especially sometimes when when they are repeated can be a source of great discouragement but the hope of god's children is that jesus is coming back and we will be like him why is why is john writing about this future hope well he's writing about this future hope because he wants us to see that this future hope it, it must make a difference to how we live in the present what we know is coming in the future has to make a difference to what we do in the present. A few years ago, uh, one of my sisters moved to Edinburgh. It was probably nearly 10 years ago, actually. Uh, and we decided, Joy and I, that we would travel up to see her for the weekend. And we kind of got all the bags packed and we got everything in the car. And then as we were, were getting in the car, Joy said, do you, do, you, do you need the sat-nav? Have you got the sat-nav? And I said, I think it's in the car, but it's okay because I, I know the way anyway. And so we hopped in the car, and we, we set off, and we were chatting. Uh, this was before we had children, actually, so we could just have these you know, grown-up conversations in the car, and we were, we were chatting away. And then about 15 minutes later, Joyce said to me, so you sure you know, know the way? And I was just about to say, yes, yes, I, I know where we're going. And then I looked up, and I realized we were heading southbound on the M6, <laughs> uh, in the exact opposite direction to Edinburgh. And so, what did I do? Well, uh, sorry, we're going the wrong way. Uh, and we got off at the next uh, junction. We did a 180 degree of outturn and we set off going north. Because where we were heading in the future affected what we were going to do in, in the present. And John says in chapter 3, verse 3, All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Knowing that now we are God's children and one day we will bear Jesus' likeness perfectly, that, that changes how we live now, particularly in relation to sin. The fact that God's children have a future hope means that we will be able to spot them in the present. Let's think about recognizing God's children as we look at verses 4 to 10 of chapter 3. I think... As we come to this second half of the, the reading, we need to, to go carefully. At, at the start, when we started looking at John's letter, we said there are a couple of red flags that we need to wave. And one of those red flags is that we don't use these verses in a way that John didn't intend them to be used. Remember, the primary reason John writes this letter is to assure those who are children of God that they, they are children of God, so that they know they're children of God. And also so they'll know who their brothers and sisters are. And there's a couple of verses here that if we misunderstand them, they will do the exact opposite of that. They will erode the assurance of God's children. Those two verses are verse two and verse six. Uh, verse six and verse nine. They're quite similar. I'll just read them. "No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either known him or seen him." And then verse nine. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning because God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. In the original, apparently, those are even stronger uh, verses. So in, in the original, the, the keeps on and the practice isn't there. So it, it reads a bit, little bit like this. No one who abides in him sins. No one who is born of God sins he cannot sin that's that's a that's a strong verse isn't it what do those verses mean well let's first of all be clear what they they don't mean they don't mean that if you sin at all then you're obviously not God's children as God's children we've already seen haven't we from this letter we do sin, John writes so that we won't sin but if we do sin, we have an advocate before the Father, Jesus Christ the one who's been made a propitiation for our sins it's not the absence of sin that helps us recognise God's children it's what they do when they sin God's children don't hide their sin they don't minimise their sin or, or redefine or excuse their sin God's children bring their sin out into the light they confess it to God and with his help, they seek to turn from it. So these verses don't mean that God's children never sin. What, what do they mean? We've already seen, haven't we, that this letter is a, a letter of, of black and white. There's no gray areas in, in John's writing. There's light and there's darkness. And then the contrast was the Father and the world. You either love the Father or you love the world, but you, you can't love both. We've also seen that with the first appearing of Jesus Christ that the last hour has come and this stark division between light and darkness is becoming more and more obvious. Well, in verse 4 to 10, it's as though John turns the contrast dial round a few more notches so that the light and darkness is even more, more apparent, the difference. And he does that by showing us the, the nature and the origin of sin nature and origin of sin and he sets the nature and origin of sin against uh, the person and work of jesus christ and so verse four he defines sin sin he says is lawlessness it's not simply breaking god's law it's it's rejecting god's law and remember god's law isn't just a set of arbitrary rules it's a reflection of his character and who he is So that lawlessness is a a kind of rejection of the family likeness. And sinful lawlessness, John says, is is the polar opposite to the Son of God. He said at his first appearance we saw that Jesus is, we see Jesus as someone who is without sin. And Jesus came to this world to to do away with sin. And so the obvious conclusion is is verse 6. No one who makes a practice of sinning has either seen him or known him. That's the nature of sin. And then there's the origin of sin in verses 8 and 9. The origin of sin, John says, is the devil. Verse 8, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. And then here's the contrast with the origin of sin and the Lord Jesus. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. The origin of sin is the devil. Jesus appeared to destroy the works of the devil. And so the obvious conclusion is verse 9. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. You see, when we read verse 9, we may want to ask the question, what, what does John mean a practice of sinning? How much sin is a practice of, of sinning? Three times? Ten times? Once a week? Once a day? Once now? What, what's the practice of sinning? Well, well, John doesn't want us to ask that question. He's got no interest in encouraging us to live in the, the gray areas. On one side he says there's sin, there's lawlessness, there's the devil, and there's those who are the children of the devil. And on the other side, uh, there is righteousness, there's no sin, there's Jesus Christ, and there's those who are children of God. And so when John writes that children of God don't sin, and they cannot sin, he doesn't mean that it's an impossibility, because clearly it's not. But he means sin in the life of the child of God is just so unfitting. It just doesn't belong there sin for god's children is like going south on the m6 when you're meant to be heading for edinburgh let me give you another illustration just to try uh, and help us understand this At high school i think i sat through loads of school assemblies countless school assemblies i can't remember most of them but i can remember one assembly in particular i think it may have been an assembly that was especially called for this occasion but the, uh, at the start of the assembly, the head of year, who was quite an intimidating teacher, uh, a man called Mr. Wallace, he got up to the, to the front and he stood uh, before our year. And he had this face that looked like thunder. Uh, and first of all, he said quite quietly, standards. And then he yelled out quite aggressively, standards. <laughs> and everyone's like this. Uh, apparently there was uh, something that had happened in the town nearby with some of our uh, the children from our school uh, that was that was quite bad uh, and he was giving us all the good telling off about this and then he said something like this people from our school do not do that pupils that come to this school cannot do that Now, if if someone had stood up in the assembly and said, actually, sir, I think you're wrong, obviously they they can do, they they did do, Uh, they would have missed the point, wouldn't they? I think that's the thrust of of John's statement when he says, children of God don't sin. Sin cannot find a home in God's children. It, It doesn't belong there. We are set against sin. And so the future hope of God's children means that you'll be able to spot them in the present let me make a couple of quick applications before we we close because spotting God's children in the present is not just a kind of hobby like people do train spotting you know it's not oh children of God children of the devil you know it's not like that this is really important so the first application is there in verse 28 chapter 2 verse 28 now little children Abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. The application for children of God is to abide in him, <laughs> to remain in Jesus. That's a, re- a relational word. Keep living in relationship with, with Jesus Christ. And being in Christ means being against sin and being, f- being for what is right. Right. Verse 29, if you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteous has, righteousness has been born of him. And the right thing for God's children to do is to put their confidence in Jesus, to, to trust what he has, he has done for them, to confess their sin to him and to continue to turn from it and head towards uh, the destination which is being like Jesus. to keep loving our brothers and sisters. (laughs) That's a big emphasis in this letter, of what it means to to do the right thing, to keep loving our brothers and sisters, even when like us, they, they fail to bear the family likeness sometimes. And we're not motivated as we seek to do this by our own abilities to succeed. We're motivated because we live in the last hour, because Jesus has appeared once, and he's going to appear again we look back to what he has done in the past he's 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 defeated sin he's done away with it he's conquered the devil we know we will have victory we have victory in Christ Jesus and because we look forward to his future appearing knowing that we're going to be like him and as we do that as we continue to abide in him we can know that on that last day when we see him we won't have to be ashamed we'll be able to face him with, with confidence. So that's the first application, abide in him. And the second application is don't be led astray. Don't be led astray. Verse 10 says, By this it is evident who are the children of God and those who are children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. And then in verse 7 he says, Don't let anyone deceive you or don't be led astray. I think John has in mind here those people in the first century who were false teachers. They may have been saying something like this. If you're a Christian, sin's no big deal. If you're a Christian, the sin in your life, it doesn't really matter. Sin didn't really bother them. And there are some Christians or people who claim to be Christians who are like that. Sin doesn't bother them. They're happy in sin as a pig is happy in the muck. John says, Don't be deceived by such people. If there is no desire to grow in holiness, if we can live happily with our sin, then John says we're not children of God. We're children of of the devil. God's children should long to be sinless. They do long to be sinless. That's the great hope of the day when Jesus Christ appears and if we're God's children that means we live differently in the present it means we turn away from sin and continue to do so to trust Jesus and to follow him let's pray together